Welcome to the Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from the Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, we've been, really for the last year, on an earth walk. We've been working our way through the Gospel of Luke, passage by passage, and we're up to chapter 11, and we've been looking at the life of Jesus. And as we get to the end of chapter 11, we're going to see there's a whole new shift going on here, especially as we get ready to go into chapter 12. What we're going to see is is that Jesus now is addressing those who are rejecting him. So up until this point... He's had a few people reject him, the Pharisees and so forth. He really hasn't answered them that much. But now he comes to chapter 11, and we saw last week, where he heals a boy of a, of a demon that causes him to be mute. And of course there were people there who marveled. But there were others there who said it was Beelzebub who did it. Or others who said, well, hey, you know, show us another sign from heaven. And they're rejecting Jesus. And so chapter 11 really is, the gospel writer Luke is trying to show us that Jesus is going to respond to their rejection. He's going to address it. Because he he isn't just some soft-hearted guy who says, oh, they don't like me. He's going to flat out answer them as to why they're wrong and what they need to do about it. And so today we're going to look at Verse 24 through 28, he's going to continue on with his answer to them concerning this whole issue about that he's doing it according to the power of Satan. And what we're going to see is there is that he's really, again, presenting us with two questions. Luke is presenting us with two questions about this whole issue of Jesus. So the first question we're trying to wrestle with is who is this Jesus that he demands a response from us? Who is this Jesus that he demands a response? Because again, you know, as Americans, I don't know about you, but I don't really like anybody getting in my face. Do you know what I mean? I don't like somebody coming up and and demanding something of me. Because we're individuals. And this is what Jesus is doing. When you look at this gospel, Jesus is really in your face. He's not just some meek, mild-mannered person. He's really wanting a reaction from you, a response from you concerning himself. And this is why he's reacting to the folks who are rejecting him. Now there's a new question we're going to deal with here today, and this is what Jesus is going to deal with today in this passage, is is can we be neutral about Jesus? Can we be neutral about Jesus? Because this is where a lot of folks are today. There's a lot of folks who recognize, oh yeah, he's the son of God, or oh yeah, there's something special about Jesus, but, you know, I'm really not ready yet. I'm really, you know, I really need to think about it for a while. I need to ponder it in my mind. I, You know, I'm really not ready for a decision. I just kind of, I'm not against him, and I'm really not for him. I'm just kind of in the mushy middle. How many of us know folks like that? Maybe you're one of those folks here today. You want to be in the mushy middle. 
You want to be neutral about Jesus. You want to be neutral about His demands for your life. You want to be neutral about the response that He wants from you. And so the question we're going to wrestle with here today is, can you be neutral about Jesus? And you're about to see what Jesus says about that. So let's notice with us, verse 24 through verse 28. Here's what Jesus says. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, and he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. And he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. And as it, it, and it happened as he spoke these things, a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you, and the breast which nursed you. But he said, More than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to divide these verses into really into two sections. We're going to talk about trying to be neutral. We see that in verses 24 through 26. And then we're going to talk about true blessedness. They say, no, wait a minute, George, I'm reading this passage. Like, what does this have to do with this whole issue of neutrality? Well, let's set the setting for ourselves here. As we get ready to understand what he's saying here in verses 24 and 26. Remember now, he had just cast out of a man or out of a boy a demon that rendered that boy unable to speak. A mute demon is what the scripture tells us. When he does this, There are some folks there, they're either murmuring among themselves or they're saying it to themselves, but Jesus knows men's hearts. He knows their thoughts. They're saying that he's doing it by the power of Beelzebub. And of course you saw last week that he said that they're silly, their thinking is silly, that if Satan is against himself, how can his kingdom stand? And then at the end, verse 23, look with me at verse 23, he says, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. So now he goes on and he wants to address, because there's some folks there who are not willing to commit to him, but they would say, we're not against you. So he's drawing on the experience he just had of casting this demon out of someone, And he's going to talk to them about how they cannot live in neutrality. So the first thing I want you to see as we look at this passage is this. He tries to live in a moral vacuum. This is the guy that the demon came out of. He tries to live in a moral vacuum. Look at verse 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, and he goes into dry places, seeking rest, finding none, he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he came, he finds it swept and put in order. What we're going to see here, this individual, Jesus is sharing this story. A demon goes out of him, but nothing takes its place. The Spirit of God does not come into this person's heart and takes his place. There's a vacuum there. 
Now, I'm explaining to you, just to help you understand the text a little bit, dry places, that refers to desert area. In, in their culture of they, their day, they believed that the spirits lived in the desert and tried to find somewhere. So they were kind of roaming around in the desert. So that's, understand, people listening to him would understand that. And so what he's saying is, is that when you try to live neutral, you're not committing yourself one way or the other. You're creating within yourself a moral vacuum. Something has to fill it. He goes on then, verse 23, and he says, and he comes, he finds his house swept and put in order. Here's what we're going to see about this guy who this, this demon came out of. He tidies up his life morally. He tidies up his life morally. Now, you and I know folks like that. They don't commit to Jesus. They don't commit to Him. They don't give their life to Him. But maybe they, their lives were rough at some point. I mean, they sowed lots of oats in their day. And, you know, and they, they were the partying guy, or they were this guy or that guy. And then you'd see them later, and no, they're not in church anymore, but you know what? They've tried to straighten out their life. They've kind of tidied things up morally. Everybody know what I'm talking about? You met somebody like that. It's like they're no longer doing the wildlife anymore, but they're not doing the church life either. So they're out of their moral vacuum that they're in. They kind of tidy stuff up in their lives. They're trying to set things in order. Maybe they settled down and got married and, and they realized that when they have kids now that they can't be living that way anymore because what kind of an influence would that be on their kids? You and I know folks like that, don't we? The reality is, is that here they are, they're trying to be neutral, and they're trying to tidy up their life. Now, but Jesus has got a wake-up call here. Look with me at verse 24. Excuse me, verse 26. Talking about the demon. And he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Here's the final point I want you to see about this section. His condition is worse off in the end. His condition is worse off in the end. Here's the thing. We have this concept that we live with that we can just stay neutral. We, 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 can, we really don't have to take sides in an issue. We can just be neutral. No, not committing ourselves to anyone. And what happens is, is you've got a moral vacuum on the inside. And especially in your life, if you try to clean up your act without committing to God or not, you're just going to be neutral. Here's what Jesus is saying. The evil comes back. The evil comes back and it's even stronger than before. And your condition is actually worse off later than it was before. In my life, I've seen that many times. People try to clean up their act. They don't do it without. They don't do it with God. They don't do it with Jesus. And then after a while, 
I mean, they tidy up for a little bit. They're upstanding citizens. They look really good. And then all of a sudden you hear they went off the deep end. And oh, they're not there anymore. or They're not with their wife anymore. They're not with their spouse anymore. And they're kind of like, boy, I thought he was raised better than that. How many of you heard that one? And the problem is, is that what happened is, is they tried to live in their neutrality. They tried to live in their life where they're not committing to Jesus, and oh no, we're not going to be serving Satan. We're trying to live in our neutrality. The problem is you can't live in neutrality. I mean, think about it. Let's be practical. We live in an area that's very clan-oriented here, don't you? You know what I mean? This is the time of the year when everybody's got some sort of what? Reunion. And how many times have you gone to a reunion and you know that Aunt so-and-so was fussing with her sister Betty over here? And so, and people are taking sides in the feud. And you're going this year and you say, well, I'm just coming to cheeseburger and Aunt Betty's pie. I'm going to stay out of it. How well does that work? Because you just ate Aunt Betty's pie. You chose a side. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know what I'm saying? And you didn't choose the other aunt's pie. And before you know it, you're drug into it. Can you stay neutral? No, there's no moral vacuums. None. This is what Jesus is saying to them. Guys, you're either for me or you're against me. You're either working with me or you're not working. You're working against me. And if you think you can stay neutral, you'll be worse off later. This is what the passage is saying. You know, a lot of times we like to focus on the spiritual warfare aspect of this passage. Jesus is using something out of the reference to what he just did, casting that demon has their attention there, trying to relay a point to them about following him. You've got to make a decision about following him. You cannot stay neutral. You cannot stay neutral. So then, what happens then, we get to verse 27, 28, something interesting happens. So while Jesus is speaking, a woman in the crowd speaks up. Look at verse 27. She speaks up and she utters a blessing. Now, this is very common in their day. She's obviously very impressed with Jesus. So what they would do in their day, it's a custom back then. If I wanted to, say, if I wanted to talk really good about Brad down here and say, oh, Brad, your music was great, that's what we would do right now. But what we would do is, is boy, you had a great mom, Brad. Blessed is the woman who bore you, Brad. And that would be a very much a compliment to Brad about how great Brad is because you focus on how great his parents are. Not our culture today, is it? But look at what she says. Look at verse 27. Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast which nursed you. So she's commending his mother because she's Really excited about Jesus. So she's doing a culturally acceptable thing here. 
So I want you to notice how Jesus responds, because, I mean, he's getting an attaboy here. He's getting a, you're doing really good here, Jesus. Wow, we're excited about you. Look at what he says, verse 28. More than that. So he's not correcting her. He's accepting what she's saying. That what she's saying is right, but he's saying more than that. So there's something more here that needs to be blessed. Look at that. Blessed are those who bear, who hear the word and keep it. Here's the issue about true blessedness. The issue is one's attitude towards God's word. The issue is one's attitude towards God's word. Let's get back to the neutrality issue, because this is all connected together. You may be here, and you, you know you're not committing yourself yet. You may be here, and yeah, you can see the merits of Jesus, but you're just not ready to make that step. You're not just ready to make that commitment, okay? You want to be, quote, neutral. Now, he's already explained to you, you can't be neutral. And then the very next thing, the writer Luke brings up this whole issue about obedience, hearing, and obeying the word. Blessed is that type of person. What's going on here? Jesus is saying, the issue is your attitude towards God's word. Because what? God's word speaks about who? Jesus. God's word, what? Validates who Jesus is. And the issue is, is what is he speaking? God's word to them. And so what he's saying is, is blessed is the one who's not going to be, quote, neutral, but listens to my word, who has the right attitude about my word. Because he just had some folks who didn't have the right attitude about his word. They wanted another sign. They thought he was doing things by the power of Satan. So when you talk about true blessedness, it really is, the issue is your attitude, my attitude, towards this, towards the Word of God. You know, it's interesting, just this week, it's, it's interesting, you know, things happen sometimes. Just this week, I think it was Pew or either Gallup had a poll this week about what Americans believe about the Bible. And what I found, it's interesting, I, I wasn't surprised by it, but only three out of ten, out of three, three out of every ten Americans believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. Seven out of ten don't. Now, four of the seven believe it's inspired, but they don't believe it's literal. The other three think it's just a bunch of fables. But only three out of ten Americans believe it's the literal word of God. So three out of ten believe that it is God's word for them today. Chances are that you are here today and you are somewhere in the other seven. See, here's the thing. If you are going to say, Jesus, I'm with you, you've got to embrace what he says. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
If you're going to say, Jesus, I'm with you, I'm not against you, I'm for you, I'm working with you, you've got to have the right attitude about what he says. And here's what he says, this next point here. Blessing belongs to those who hear and obey. This is what he's saying here. Look at verse 28. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Blessings, true spiritual blessings, belongs to those who hear his word and then they act on it. They do something with it. So you can't be neutral. There's no way to be neutral. A lot of us want to be neutral. We want to say, oh, you know, hey, that was a nice word today, George. Or, boy, that was a really cool Sunday school lesson. Or, boy, that was a really good message I heard on the radio. Or, boy, I really read a really nice book there. And, but I'm going to think about it in a while. What does James say? James says that we're like a man who looks in a mirror and goes away and forgets what he looks like. That's the way a lot of us are with the Word of God. Because we don't have the right attitude. And if you want to be blessed in your life spiritually, let me just stop for a moment. Blessing does not mean material blessing. There's more aspects to blessing than that. That can be a component. But there's more aspects to blessing. But to be truly blessed by God means that I'm going to what? Hear what he says and obey. You can't be neutral. You can't sit on the fence. We all like to sit on our fence. Aren't you like one of those folks? I'm, I'm, I'm like that. I'm like that. I, I kind of want to see how things pan out first before I commit myself. Because nobody wants to be on the losing side. You know, we want to hang back and see who's winning first. Then we'll cheer. Yay! And don't we get crushed if all of a sudden somebody comes from behind and wins and we were on the wrong side? Because we like to be neutral. Jesus says you can't be neutral. can't. You can't live in a moral vacuum. You've got to do something with my word. Okay, you say, George, now what do we do with this? Well, here's three thoughts. Number one, have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? Look, if you're going to see, you've got to if you if you're going to make that decision about being for him or against him, the first thing you've got to come to grips with is he either is who he says he is or he's not. He's either God or he's not. He's either King of Kings, Lord of Lords, or he's not. He either raised from the dead or he didn't. What he says is true or it's not. Do you understand? There's no middle ground in there. You can't just kind of say, where's the wiggle room here? There is no wiggle room with Jesus. Look again, verse 23. He who is not with me is against me. He who does not 
gather with me scatters. Folks, that's Jesus saying. So what are you going to do with him? Have you come to grips with who Jesus is? And, and so the next question is, are you trying to stay neutral? Are you trying to stay neutral? Here's the thing about coming to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, He saves you by grace. Not anything you've done. But the reality is, is when you come to Jesus, you realize real quick, that there are oftentimes Jesus wants something of you. Jesus wants to change your life. Jesus wants to change your outlook. Jesus wants to change your attitudes. He wants to change your mind. And so oftentimes there are things that Jesus wants to change. And a lot of times we know that. But we're not ready to change yet. Because we don't want to give up. Because, you know, when we come to Jesus, He wants us to come with open hands. You and I like to hold on to stuff. And, you know, here's the kind of stuff we like to hold on to. Grudges. Attitudes. Unforgiveness. Not just material stuff. Oh, it's easy to talk about material stuff. But we like to hold on to those things. And we oftentimes know that when we come to Jesus, we need to let it go, let go and let Him take control. We don't want that. So we try to stay neutral for a while. So let me ask you something. Are you trying to stay neutral? Are you you're just on the verge of totally committing yourself to Christ with your life, but you're not because you're not willing to give it all. So you're kind of hanging back. You, you know, somebody says, are you for Satan? Oh, no, I'm not for him. But you're not there yet. Are you trying to stay neutral? And then finally, respond with obedience. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to you. This week you're going to go along the road and God's going to speak to you. A thought will come to your mind. He's calling to you saying, hey, I'm here. A lot of times we just shove it out of the side. I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. You're trying to be neutral, but you can't. But the reality is, the reality is, He is calling to you to be obedient, to do what He's calling to you. So respond. Blessed is He who hears and what? You need to obey. 
Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.